The scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses. But before I read this scripture, I'd like to put it in context. If we look back to chapter 24, we find Jesus and the disciples leaving the temple, and Jesus speaks of the complete and utter destruction of the temple that's coming. And the disciples ask him, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus gives a very long answer, and he speaks of signs and all of the many different things that will happen. But the bottom line is that no one knows, not even the Son, not even Jesus, knew then the end of time as God had planned for it. So Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. And then we get to the passage of Scripture today, and the closing verse in the passage of Scripture today says, keep watch. So hear now these words from Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, the wise replied, There may not be enough for both of us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you remember back, in the summer and early fall, we went through a series of sermons and we explored the kingdom of heaven. And in those places in Matthew, Jesus referred to the kingdom of heaven as here and now. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. We talked about the fact that we can help build the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, in downtown Macon, in our lives and in the lives of friends and family, and that's part of our calling. But I want you to notice that Jesus started this story using different words. Instead of saying the kingdom of heaven is, he said in those days the kingdom of heaven will be like. This is one of the references to future. Jesus is talking about the future of the kingdom of heaven, and he's actually talking about the eternal kingdom of heaven. The story goes, there's a wedding, there's a wedding planned, there's a bride, there's a bridegroom, there are bridesmaids, there are 10 of them, and they are waiting for the groom. In Jesus' day, the bride and her bridesmaids would wait at her parents' home for the groom to come. The groom would not arrive until all of the wedding preparations were finished, 
And that was quite a lot of work to do because wedding feasts usually lasted a week and all of the family and all of the community were invited to be a part of this wedding feast. So the bridegroom could sometimes be delayed. In this case, the bridegroom was. And five of the bridesmaids who were waiting knew that that might be a possibility and they came prepared. They had their lamp, they had their oil, Five of the bridesmaids did not. They had their lamp with their wick with oil in the lamp, but they didn't have extra oil to add to the lamp. The groom is delayed, and when it comes time for the procession to the groom's parents' home for the start of the wedding feast, five of the bridesmaids have oil. They can light their lamps. They can help lead the procession. Five of the bridesmaids don't. So the five who don't say to the bridesmaids who do, share with us, share with us your oil. And the five who have oil said, no, we might run out too. We might not have enough for all of us. You go find someone and buy oil. This was at midnight. This was at midnight in a culture where there weren't convenience stores on every corner that sold lamp oil at midnight. These young women had to search far and wide to find lamp oil to light their lamps. And when they got to the wedding feast, the door was closed and locked. It was closed. It was locked. That is very unusual because a wedding feast did last for days. And the door would never be locked. It would always be open for the constant stream of people coming and going. And yet they get here, and the door is locked, and they call out to the bridegroom, let us in. And the bridegroom says, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And the advice of Jesus is to keep watch and to pay attention. There are some things that we can learn from this. We can learn that we need to be ready. We can learn that we need to have patience, that we need to be prepared. We can also learn that we need to accept responsibility for our own actions and how we live. On the surface, this story actually seems harsh because you think, goodness, couldn't the bridesmaids have shared? You think, goodness, couldn't they have left the door open for the latecomers? And you wonder why Jesus would tell such a harsh story. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is telling the story, and it's his to tell. If he wants to have harshness in it, he's allowed to. And I think that one of the reasons he has these very harsh points in this story is to get the attention of the listeners. Those who were listening to him tell the story the first time around would have listened to the story and thought, this is different. I need to pay attention to this. Even now today, we listen to the story and think, this is different. We need to pay attention to this. It's important to know what we can learn and draw from for our own spiritual lives today. And again, I think that the first thing we can learn is that we need to live patiently. The bridesmaids in this story had to be patient. They had to wait expectantly. They had to wait knowing that even though the bridegroom didn't arrive on the appointed hour, that the bridegroom was coming, that they didn't need to give up. They didn't need to stop watching. They didn't need to go about the rest of their busy lives. They needed to wait expectantly and patiently. Patience is not something 
I would say patience is not something that a lot of people have. I, I need to just refer to me. Patience is not something that I have. We live in such a fast-paced society, a fast-food, drive-through kind of pace. We want what we want. We want it now. We want to, to say that waiting is just overrated. Waiting is just so last year. Waiting is just not about anything we want to do. Even now, in a season when it feels like we've been waiting for months, for the world to go back to normal. We still get very impatient with the idea of waiting. Sometimes that impatience is seen in our driving habits. Now, am I stepping on anybody's toes? I hope not, because I'm talking about me. I was driving to the office the other day, coming down one of the streets in Macon that has two lanes on either side and a turn lane in the middle, and I look up in my rearview mirror, and there's a car coming up that's weaving through traffic. Now, the traffic is already driving faster than the posted speed limit, but this car is obviously wanting to go even faster, and she gets up behind me. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can, there's a car in front of me. There's a car beside me. She is not very patient with me. And so this driver pulls into the turn lane and uses the turn lane to pass half a dozen cars and comes back in. And I'm watching this thinking, there must be a real emergency somewhere. I need to pray for this woman for whatever is causing her to drive like that. And then she pulls into the turn lane again to try to pass more cars. This time, one of the cars in front of her turned in, moved into the turn lane to actually make a left turn. She almost hit the car that was making the left turn. She almost hit the car beside her as she tried to dodge the car in the turn lane. She was in such a hurry that she almost caused catastrophe on the streets of Macon. And then she zoomed on down the road. And it called me to think about all of the times that I try to drive fast, that I want to get just a few seconds ahead of another car. I want to just be ahead because it makes me feel like I'm getting somewhere. And then I end up at a traffic light that's turned red and the car that pulls up beside me is the one I just worked so hard to pass. We want what we want and we want it right now as fast as we can have it. We do not want to be patient and yet that's what this story tells us we have to have. The bridesmaids had to have patience. If we read through a multitude of Paul's letters, you find that in many of his letters he writes about being patient and not just being patient but being patient with each other. We get very impatient at the thought of being patient. We get very impatient at the thought of waiting. We think that it is a negative thing. We think that it's like twiddling our thumbs and just whiling away our time, but it's not. Patience is active. Patience is actively living in the confidence that God will work in his time. It's living actively with the knowledge that the time is eternal. And that the time we occupy is a very tiny, small slice of the time that God occupies. Being patient is knowing that God is not finished with me yet. I'm still going on to perfection. And if God is not finished with me yet, there's the very real possibility that he's not finished with you yet either. And I should have patience with you 
as the process of going on to perfection unfolds in your life, just as I would like you to have patience with me as that same process unfolds in my life. Patience is working for the kingdom while we wait for God's final act. Now, if you ever feel impatient with another person, you need to stop and think about how much patience God has demonstrated toward you. I think about my own life. God called me to preach, and I spent 17 years telling him no. For 17 years, God had patience with me as he continued to work in my life and encourage me to respond to his call. I have never encountered anyone that I needed 17 years worth of patience. Thank goodness. But I have that much stored up that God has demonstrated to me. So a few minutes of patience directed toward another person should be a good thing. Not only do we need to have patience, but we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for any possibility. One of the things that I enjoy doing is going on mission trips. I've been on mission trips in a number of states, in a number of countries. Often I am the one leading the mission trip or I am one of the persons leading the trip. And I always pack a backpack that basically has a mini pharmacy in it. It has every conceivable style of bandage. It has a multitude of over-the-counter medications. It has ointments and creams and anything that I think we might use because often we are somewhere where getting to a pharmacy would not be able to happen if we needed something. My last trip was to the Congo. We were a two-hour plane ride from the nearest pharmacy. There was no way we could have gotten anything if we had an emergency at night. So I always pack this backpack. We were down in the Dominican Republic working with Pastor Pedro. Many of you know Pastor Pedro. Some of you have even been to Barahona and to his mission house. I was down there with a group of college students. We worked all week, had a great week. We went on our day of fun. Pastor Pedro took us to this marvelous waterfall cold water coming off the side of a mountain down into several pools that gathered the water as you as you went down the side of the mountain each of the pools got bigger wonderful pleasant place to be and one of the young ladies in my group found the Dominican Republic equivalent of poison ivy she was very allergic to it and where was my backpack it was at the mission house. It was not with us. We were 45 minutes away from the mission house. We had to load everybody up in the car, in the vehicle. We had to head back, driving on roads that are not the best kept roads, trying to get back as quickly as we could. She was getting sicker and sicker. We ended up spending the entire afternoon in the emergency room there in Barana until finally IVs and oxygen and enough injections turned the corner for her. And the whole time I was sitting there thinking, I'm going to have to tell this young woman's mother that she was sick because I wasn't prepared. We need to think about being prepared. The story in Scripture is about being prepared to wait, being prepared to patiently wait. Christian preparation 
is not about trying to be prepared for every little possibility. It's about having the faith that carries us through every little possibility. Christian preparation is about having the knowledge and the faith and the love that strengthens us and fills us in such a way that we can make it through any event, any situation that comes our way. This knowledge and faith and love, it all, those become tools that help us treat others with the patience and compassion with which we want, it, want to be treated. Those become tools that help us live the Christian life, live the way Christ would have us live. I think the last point we can draw from this sermon is the idea of personal responsibility. I really believe that that was what Jesus was trying to tell us in the story about the bridesmaids who refused to share their oil. We are all responsible for our own Christian walk. We are responsible for our choices, for how we live, for what we do, for how we treat other people, for how we use the knowledge, faith, and love that God shares with us to reach out to others or to be unkind to others. It's a very human desire to want to hold someone else responsible for what we do. Think about Adam and Eve. They ate from the tree that they were not supposed to eat from. God approaches them and says, okay, guys, what happened? And Adam's response is to point at Eve and say, she did it. And Eve's response is to point at the servant and say, it's the servant's responsibility. We want to make someone else responsible for our potentially unwise choices. But the truth of the matter is, there will come a day it might be the end of my own individual life. It might be the end of time when God decides that it is time for him to create the end of time. But there will come a day when every one of us is called to stand in front of a holy God and give an accounting of the lives that we have lived. No one will be able to stand with us. There won't be anyone there that we can pass responsibility on to. The only person who will be standing with us is Christ, and he is perfection. There's not any way we could lay blame on him. We are responsible for our faith journeys and our faith choices. God calls us to live as prepared Christians, to live as if we are prepared to die every single day of our lives, and to be responsible for the choices that we make. When that day comes and we stand in front of a holy God, Jesus will be standing beside us. And the question becomes, will he say, she's mine, I know her, let her come on in? Or will he say, I don't know you? We are called to live expectantly, hopefully, and to keep watch for the day of Christ's return so that when others look at us, they see Christ in us every single day of our lives. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.